Good morning. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021. This morning we mourn the victims at Meron who were killed last night celebrating Lagba Omer. It's an unspeakable tragedy, one of the worst peacetime tragedies in the history of the State of Israel. There is much to say about this, but at this moment, when lives are lost and we are burying our dead literally at this moment throughout Israel, there is only one thing to say or do, and that is to pray for the recovery of those who are injured both physically and emotionally. And this is a national psychic tragedy as well. And also to pray for God to provide his condolence to those who are bereaved. And to learn Torah as a merit for all of us on this happy, transformed to tragic Day. And it's so in that spirit that I share these insights with you this morning. So today is Lagba Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer, counting from leaving Egypt until Shavuos. That's a total of 50 days, and we're at day number 33. Last night I discussed that there is no clear source that explains to us the significance of this day in classic sources, the earliest mention of this day as somehow singled out is only from the 13th century, and there is no clear source as to what the significance of it is Last night, I discussed about one approach that sees the significance of Lagba Omer in connection with Rabbi Akiva and what happened to his students. There is another completely different approach, which I mentioned in passing last night, and that is that connects this day to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who was a great Talmudic teacher and scholar during the period of the Mishnah, about 1,800 years ago. This connection has the most tenuous basis. There is no classical source that makes this connection whatsoever. It seems to appear in rabbinic literature only starting about 400 years ago, which in terms of customs and especially holidays is like yesterday. But this has become the most widely observed aspect of Lagba Omer. The idea of traveling to Meron, which is a small town in the northern part of Israel near Tzfat, and to visit there the burial place of Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Last night, as I'm sure now everyone knows, there were approximately 90,000 Jews there who, at the beginning of the evening, were celebrating with a wild celebration, with music, with dancing, with bonfires, of course, until tragedy 
struck. In a normal year, hundreds of thousands of Jews attend this event in Meron on Lagba Omer, and so clearly for them and for many, many others, the key significance to Lagba Omer is its connection to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. But what is the connection between Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Lagba Omer? That is also a complete mystery. Again, there is no clear source that explains what this connection is. And there are several suggestions. One is like this. There is a passage in the Talmud. Okay, so this is a clear classical source, but you'll see what it does say and what it does not say. There is a clear passage in the Talmud that tells the following story. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai lived in the generation after the destruction of the Second Temple, after the Bar Kokhba uprising, and that was a time when there was very stringent and harsh persecution of the Romans by the Romans against the Jews left in Israel. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was heard to have publicly criticized the Roman government. And because of that, he and his son had to flee for their lives. And they hid in a cave for 13 years until the danger passed. Now, that's the story in the Gemara. That's the story in the Talmud. The suggestion is, and again, there's no clear source for this, and this suggestion only appears centuries later. The suggestion is that the day they left the cave was Lagba Omer. There's no proof. There's no earlier source for this connection. There is something a little bit tantalizing, although I don't know what to read into this. The passage of the Talmud that tells the story, which again does not mention Lagba Omer, just so happens coincidentally, I'll put coincidentally in, in quotation marks because there's no such thing as coincidence, to appear in the tractate Masechta Shabbos, page 33. Okay. So that's one connection, the day that he and his son came out of the cave. There is a second connection that today, Lagba Omer, is his yard site. It's the anniversary of the day that he passed away. Now, first of all, you should know, there's no clear source to indicate this. Number two, it is disputed by the sources that do mention it, if it is his yard site or not. And number three, even if you assume it is his yard site, why would you celebrate? A yard site is not a day to celebrate. It's a day to remember someone's passing. So that is also very tenuous and very conflicted and very mysterious. I want to focus now on a third suggestion. And that is as follows. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is traditionally credited with writing the Zohar. Zohar is the classic text of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism. Now, 
This is a very controversial assertion ascribing the Zohar to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Many accept the truth is that it was written much later, almost a thousand years later in Provence, in France. And, okay, that is a, a very strong opinion with actual basis to it, but there are many who believe as a tradition that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai wrote the Zohar. And the second part is the suggestion that he finished it or maybe he began teaching from it on Lag Ba'omer. Again, there is no clear source for this, but many celebrate Lag Ba'omer this day as the day that this splendorous Kabbalistic illumination was brought into the world. The word Zohar, by the way, means the book of illumination. Now, while the Zohar is a primary text of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, it is not the beginning of Kabbalah by any means. Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, is an aspect of Torah. It is a layer of Torah that has always existed and has evolved in many ways, especially at critical junctures in Jewish history. I have taught an eight-week series on an introduction to Kabbalah. The truth is, it's been a few years since I've done that. Maybe it's time to repeat it, okay? But allow me to share one overly general principle for us to appreciate today. And that is, the basis of Kabbalah is that there is nigla, which literally means revealed, a physical, visible, material world universe. And corresponding to that, there is a world of nistar, which literally means hidden, a spiritual, hidden counterpoint to everything in the visible physical world. In the world of Nistar, in this hidden spiritual realm, everything is connected and everything is connected to God. So the goal of Kabbalah is unification, unity seeing everything, people, mitzvos, narratives in the Torah, objects in the natural world, ideas, seeing everything as reflecting, in some way, the oneness of God, and therefore connected. Sivan Rahab Meir, brilliantly makes the following insight for those of us who don't understand much about Kabbalah and who don't follow Kabbalah as an integral part of our Judaism, although it is an integral part of Judaism for all Jews, but for those of us that do not spend much of our time in this area of Torah, 
we should at least know this. There is a secret in this world. And that is that visible reality, the physical material world that we can see, that we can touch, that we can hear, it's not everything. There is another layer, deeper layer to reality. And the external layer that we see most of the time is just the outer surface. It's the skin that hides what is really there inside. And so even for us that do not have such a strong connection to Kabbalah, this day calls upon us to adopt a deeper view of life, of reality, of Torah. We should not just accept this simple understanding. As we study Torah, there is more and more depth. The more we study, the more there is. What appears on the surface is just the smallest part of Torah. We need to continue to deepen our understanding. It calls on, a, on us to look at reality differently especially the way we look at reality today. The media especially presents us with a surface, superficial view of what's going on in the world. And we should not accept that. We should look at the deeper dimensions to think. Analysis, not just what appears on the surface or in the first moment after something happens. The way we look at each other. So often, we only look at the outer appearance. But as we realize, the outer appearance conceals so much of us, most of us, our inner lives, our souls. And we should not be influenced by the outer appearance, which is often so false and so superficial. This is a day, Lagba Omer in which we are reminded that most of reality is invisible. And we should make more of an effort to pay attention to what we do not see, to what we cannot feel, to what we do not hear, because that is the greatest portion of reality. I am not related to Walt Whitman but he is one of my favorite poets and I find his poetry expresses an authentically Kabbalistic worldview. Listen to these lines from Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. I celebrate myself and what I assume you shall assume for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. A child said, what is the grass? Fetching it to me with full hands. I guess it is the handkerchief of the Lord, a scented gift and remembrance designedly dropped, bearing the owner's name some way in the corner that we may see and remark and say, whose? Do I contradict myself? 
Very well then, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. Do you take it I would astonish? Does the daylight astonish? Or the early red start twittering through the woods? Do I astonish more than they? This hour, I tell things in confidence. I might not tell everybody, but I will tell you. My friends, on this difficult day, I wish you well. I wish you a calm and peaceful Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.